The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involves varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Hello, Naples. Good morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Nice weekend going Sunday, December 19th. Very quick 30 minutes. Ask Annex is coming up. Also spending in retirement. We're going to talk about that. And why is it so hard for some people to spend in retirement? There are some reasons, and we'll cover that. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felski is our Chief Investment Officer. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Danny. Dave Spano, our President and CEO. Good morning to you. Not a problem my wife has, but uh, <laughs> some people have tough time spending in retirement. But, you know, as we head towards the holidays and Christmas especially, I don't think we should be talking about witches, but that's really what happened on Friday. Right. It was what they call triple witching, where options, futures, and, and stock options expire, and it often leads to some volatility as dealers square their books. And so that was happening on Friday. So we saw some volatility. Not really a pretty day on Friday afternoon either. No, the market was weak. You know, we had a a very positive response to Chairman Powell's uh, FOMC conference after the FOMC a meeting concluded on Wednesday. Uh, then p- things did about face on Thursday and continued lower on Friday, you know, as we await the elusive Santa Claus rally. Yeah, that's right. And this could happen. We're not really sure. Maybe it starts next week. But there is no doubt the story was, of course, the hard pivot as expected by the Federal Reserve, the hard pivot away from full employment mandate to inflation control. Right. It's, and it's believed by many people that we are relatively close to full employment. I mean, we bottomed out on the employment or unemployment rate. Uh, prior to the pandemic at 3.5%. We're currently at 4.2, so pretty close. Uh, but the Fed essentially has decided to accelerate the tapering of their uh, bond purchases from, you know, what was $120 billion, now down to $90 billion, uh, with the expectation that by March they'll be all done, which then would pave the way for rate increases, provided the economy is suggested that that's necessary. Yeah, that's exactly right. So they were buying $120 billion in the open market, of course, increasing the Fed's balance sheet. So, of course, now that 120 goes to 90. Following after that, we'll go to 60, 30, and zero, as you suggest. And then what will happen is we'll have to see what inflation is. And there's some people starting to argue that inflation is starting to ebb by the two pieces that have really spiked, and that was energy and autos, and maybe that's going to start to ebb. That has seemed to, on a year-over-year basis, uh, those those increases are starting to, to be diminished. We also saw huge spikes in the price of lumber and and things that were affected by unusual circumstances, mainly supply chain constraints. But the persistent issues within the inflation number and the CPI are owner equivalent rent, which typically lags housing prices. We know housing prices have been very strong over the last year. And also wage increases, which are starting to perk up too. We have 11 million job openings. We have, you know, obviously that's going to require higher wages in order to fill those positions. So the, the upward pressure on that portion of the CPI continues, but it may not be as as volatile as what we've seen up to this point. Exactly right. And of course, so we have argued on the show for a long time that after we see the peak in the supply chain, in other words, as these ships start to get unloaded and the product gets distributed around
around the country that that would mark the peak of inflation. We'll have to see because the input that we're talking about, energy, has nothing to do with the supply chain, really, because it is really an OPEC and our uses in this country. But the other thing that was in there, Derek, is they have this funny th- word called dot plots, and it's really their suggestion of what it's going to look like going forward. Right, and they shift. Those are based on expectations currently on the data and where the data is likely to go. Uh, and so basically what surprised the market a little bit, I suppose, was that the dot plots indicate that there are going to be three rate hikes in 2022. Previously, uh, there were only two. But again, that is data dependent. And Chairman Powell has made it very clear that he does not intend to rise, raise interest rates on the same token that he would taper. It's going to require a much stricter uh, series of factors. And a lot of that can change depending on where we go with the viruses. That's right. And these taper, in other words, the suggestions from the governors inside the Fed suggest that we could have rate hike increases all the way through until 2023 to the tune of 1.5 to 1.75%, which is obviously a long ways away from where we are. Of course, the facts and circumstances going forward will have to matter. Obviously, there is an election in November of next year. Interest rates, hikes obviously could affect pricing from stocks, bonds, and real estate. What we do is what you might need if you're heading into retirement. Listen, if you're in retirement, let's take a second look at what you've got. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning. You can start at AnnexWealth.com. You click the Get Started button. You get Wealthmetric in your hands. It's all of our insight, all of our technology. It's more than a portfolio review. AnnexWealth.com. Back in a bit on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It's time we talk about being overweight. Here at Annex Wealth Management, we know it's hard to avoid, especially this time of the year. We're not talking about your waistline. We're talking about your portfolio. If you haven't managed your portfolio mix throughout this turbulent year, there's a chance you're overweight in a sector. Visit with us at Annex. You'll get a wealth metric, a snapshot of your wealth health. Start the new year by getting your portfolio in shape. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management works in your best interest. Can your advisor say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. We get back to everybody. Some people say, nope, don't want to be on the radio. And some people say, yeah, put me on the radio. And we also have a text question we're going to get to here in a second. First one is from Phil. What are your initial thoughts on 2022 market returns? Like Dave said in the earlier segment, you know, I don't equate the market performance with the economic performance. And and generally speaking, given the rally that we've seen in the past year where essentially stock prices have lagged really eco- economic growth in terms of earnings, the possibility that we have a more muted return next year is certainly likely. The other thing is we're going to have some headwinds on multiples. We're going to have potentially higher interest rates. We're going to have slowing growth. Uh, and, and that can have a effect on multiples which is why I continue to suggest that one ought to look for, you know, lower valued uh, companies that generate free cash flow that are shorter duration instruments. By that, I mean more of their earnings are up front than way out in the future. I think that's going to really determine how you perform as an investor in 2022. So the Dow Jones, of course, is what a lot of the press covers in that is at 35, 36,000. But you pay attention to the S&P 500 a whole lot more, which is cap weighted. What does that mean? Well, each each company is weighted in that index by its market cap. So Microsoft is the biggest weight, Apple is second, whereas in the Dow, it's the price. And that doesn't necessarily reflect the importance of the company or its size relative to other stocks. So to me, the the S&P is a more uh, 
dynamic view of the U.S. economy. But even the S&P, if you think about it, 30% of the S&P is technology stocks, but only 10% of labor of jobs are in the tech sector, and only 12% of GDP comes from that sector. So again, the S&P isn't a perfect manifestation of the economy at large either, which is why people need to stop reading headlines about the economy and focus on underlying fundamentals and companies. No question about that. The S&P 500 is put together, you know, it's Standard Poor's largest 500 companies, and of course we talk about this a lot, but it is an amalgamation. The earnings is the amalgamation of all of those companies. The expectation is that entire S&P 500 earnings for 2022 is expected to be about 240. Where does that put the S&P 500 next year? Well, if you put a 20 multiple on it, which is above average, right? The average over the long haul has been about 16. Uh, That would get you to 4,800, which is just a little above where we are currently. Of course, interest rates are extraordinarily low, which would, would suggest that perhaps that multiple should be a little bit higher because there are no better alternatives, really, in a sense, when you have negative real interest rates. And the last thing I would say is the equities markets don't move in linear fashion, which means there are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be opportunities to get back in. And, and of course, in a midterm election year, there is much more volatility. It's probably going to allow you some opportunities throughout 2022. Ask Annex got a question for us. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Ask button if we can help. Click the Get Started button. Next up is from Tony. Is the recent market volatility led you to adjust your recommended sector allocation? Yeah, we did a little bit. We added a little bit to small cap value at the margin recently um, and took took that money from emerging markets where they feel there are more challenges. Central banks have been much more aggressive over there, uh, you know, addressing the virus, but also in raising rates. For example, Brazil's economy is actually a shambles. There are issues in Turkey. Uh, so we did that. So we went more domestic in that regard. And in fixed income, I think we're, we're really kind of, we're thinking about perhaps adding yield and, and increasing our credit risk by taking a short-term bond off the table. You know, you poked your head in my my office uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about the Treasury auctions. And I know that might be a little deep into the weeds, but you know there are these auctions that happen, and it's the Treasury bonds, and mostly the federal government goes in and buys them. But we saw an incredible auction. In fact, it was overbid by two and a half times. The shocking part was two-thirds of that came from international buyers. Right. I mean, our rates look attractive to a German, and the rates over there are negative, so our rates are positive. So that's, that's a positive one, even after you hedge out the currency risk. Uh, And that's been a part of the reason why our rates have remained so stubborn loans. You know, we get this really white hot inflation print, yet interest rates went down on the 10 year. And that suggests to me the bond market perhaps thinks economic growth will slow in the latter half of 2022. And that's, again, something that's going to affect sector allocations and the rest. One minute for this one, Dave, and it came in via text. Bitcoin through the roof, question mark. And then there's an emoji, and I guess that's diamond hands. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see. Um, your thoughts, question mark. Well, let's, let's just talk about Bitcoin, of course, is everyone's got their eye on it. As a wealth management firm, it is not a security, right? And so it's not something that it is in our bailiwick of securities that we can look at. In fact, you could argue it's more of a commodity. Derek, you know, we talked a lot about free cash flow and looking at quality of companies. This is something that really you can't value because there's not earnings to the company. Right. It's it's all about liquidity and sentiment. And I think the, the rise of these cryptocurrencies is just a further manifestation of all the liquidity the Fed has injected into the system. And while they do potentially have the ability to protect you from something, and whether it's dollar debasement or anything else, it's something you really have to approach very judiciously. Quick break. We're going to be right back on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. 
With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. You're listening to the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference? This is a team segment. Annex is made up of in-house subject matter experts, investments, planning, taxes, estates, and a whole lot more. Dan Phillips is wealth manager, CFP, CDFA. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Danny. Randy Winkler, a CFP and a home brewer now. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. How's the beer? It was awful. We're going to talk about getting the number right when it comes to spending in retirement. What's the right way to determine that number and how can overspending and underspending be prevented? Deanne, when does that number usually emerge in the process for our clients? When people first come in, no matter where they are relative to retirement, they kind of want to see if they're on track. So if it's really before retirement, we have to do some assumptions based on what they're currently spending. But really, it's the closer they get to retirement. So it's within that spitting distance, you know, when they've got that date in mind. So it could be two years out, one year out, or it could just be pending. What we like to do is take that number that they're currently spending back into that number and then separate it out between the expenditures that they have to have, their living expenses, and what they think they want to do extra in retirement. If you understand that your have-tos are met, you're okay. Randy, you're our self-proclaimed spreadsheet geek. Does the number jump out at you? Well, we very often see somebody who comes in for the first time that we haven't worked with, they really have no idea what they're spending, but they think they do. Very common, we'll see where somebody's take-home pay is uh, at, for a family is, say, 250000 and they think they're spending fifty. So we say, are you saving two hundred? No, no, it's all gone. So we have to work with them to determine what that number is, because it's probably the most important number of the entire financial plan. It's kind of the fuel. If you don't have enough fuel to get where you want to go, you're going to run out of gas. Deanne, have you seen the number being a surprise for most? Oh, definitely. It is a surprise. You know, sometimes for some people, that B word budgeting is kind of a dirty word. And we get people that say, I have never thought about a budget in my life. Remember, when we go into retirement, we're doing a seismic psychological change from putting money away from ourselves to tapping into that money and spending it. And that can be daunting for some people. So people tend to have a couple of different reactions. And Randy, what I see sometimes is people getting scared to tap into that at all. You know, they think, no, I, I, I can't spend any of that. And so they find themselves really scrimping and saving and really not enjoying the beginning of their retirement or the reverse. They feel like, woohoo, I've got this cash flow now. And it surprises them how much they end up spending during that honeymoon period of retirement. We see both all the time. The first one, it's like when you're a really good saver, the muscle for spending atrophies. You can't do it. We right. have some clients that we have to say, Spend some money, you know, you know, there's a saying, you'll never see a U-Haul getting pulled behind a hearse. You're not going to win the prize for dying with the most assets. Now, if you have legacy goals, we work with that. But for a lot of people, it's like, hey, you can spend money. You've dedicated your whole life to this process. You've built up a nice nest egg. Let's enjoy it. 
So, Randy, with our plans, do we usually recommend a yearly or a monthly spend number? Oh, that's a great question, Danny. We like to see yearly because it smooths out some of the bumps. You know, a lot of people are shocked that when December rolls around and they have Christmas expenses because it's a, it's a different expense than you have during the rest of the year. You know, you got your vacation in summer. You might have insurance premiums that come up. So it's good to take a look at a monthly basis, but you want to annualize that to uh, take into account the things that only happen once a year. Deanne, we talked about people tending to spend a little bit past reasonable expectations. How often do you see that? At the beginning, during that what we call honeymoon period, right at the beginning of retirement, we see it a lot. People underassume their spending for eating, drinking, and being married. You know, all of a sudden, you're not working anymore, and you have time to spend with, if you're part of a couple, your significant other, or with friends, with family. And we tend to do that through dining out, going out, entertaining, and that costs money. So people often will come back and say, wow, I had no idea I was spending that much on entertainment. Now, that is discretionary expenditure. So that's kind of a muscle you can flex and, and you know, pull back on a little bit too. When you're doing the go-go part of retirement though, mm-hmm. I mean, people tend to, they want to go-go and sometimes they cost money. Well, they do and that's okay. So Danny, right, what you're referring to are the go-go years, the first kind of decade almost really in retirement and then the slow-go years, right, that transition as we age and then the no-go years. But really in terms of spending, we don't lighten up on the spending as we age because if we think about it, Healthcare expenditures could be a little bit more during that time period. Randy, you started to touch on it, but is it possible to underspend in retirement? Oh, definitely, definitely. A lot of people have been saving their whole lives and they don't know how to spend and they don't know what's a safe number. So, for someone who's just looking at the portfolio, you've got a million dollars, you have $10 million. How much of that can you spend? It's kind of an unknown unless you have a financial plan. With a financial plan and with all of the other tools we have, we can say, okay, you can spend X amount of dollars per year, and it's going to be sustainable long term. And then we can take a look at that. Which side of it are they on? If we say, hey, seventy-five thousand is a sustainable spending number for you, and you're spending a hundred, you're probably looking at a pay cut. If you're spending fifty, you just got to raise. No, I remember sitting with people saying, Mrs. Smith, you're a millionaire. You know, it's it just can't sink into some people because in certain generations there's this fear of being a burden. You know, there's this fear of running out of money. And so that is larger sometimes and looms larger than getting our arms around the little spends, which is why it's an important exercise to look at a spreadsheet, to kind of sit down with a planner, to separate out those expenditures, make sure that your have to bucket is filled. So that you know your day-to-day expenditures in retirement are taken care of no matter what the market does. They're not tied to the stock market going crazy, right? And so then you can carve out those extra discretionary expenditures, and we as planners can encourage a little bit more spending. A lot of people, when they're in their working years, they know exactly what's coming in. They've got their paycheck, and that's what they're spending. When you get to retirement, they're taking money out of their portfolio. It's not as easy to say, hey, I get X amount of dollars. You're making a decision on what you take. And it's affected by taxes. When you start Social Security, do you have to pay for Medicare? There's a whole bunch of other things that factor in there. But we can come to you and tell you this is the number that works for you. It's very challenging to do, but with the tools we have, we do that every day. Seems the moral of the story is get a plan, get that number, and stick to the number and work with a strong financial planning partner who is a fiduciary. That's what we do here. Deanne, thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Randy, back to your spreadsheets. Happy to get back to them. If we can help, head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Start a button. Start the wealth metric. We need to put that in your hands. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, Sunday the 19th. We'll be right back. 92.5 Fox News. It's time we talk about being overweight. 
Here at Annex Wealth Management, we know it's hard to avoid, especially this time of the year. We're not talking about your waistline. We're talking about your portfolio. If you haven't managed your portfolio mix throughout this turbulent year, there's a chance you're overweight in a sector. Visit with us at Annex. You'll get a wealth metric, a snapshot of your wealth health. Start the new year by getting your portfolio in shape. Visit AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference. Annex Wealth Management. The Week in Review, Know the Difference Minutes, team segments, planning topics, including investments, retirement, tax, and estate. It's all on the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Head to YouTube and search Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. Money talk is straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, Sunday, December 19th. If you're traveling over the next couple of weeks, we wish you well. If you got company coming in to town, we wish them well as well. And if we can help you, investment, retirement planning, tax planning, estate planning, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Derek Felsky in the studio, Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano is President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Dan. You know, at the beginning of the show, we talked about this triple witching hour. And there's no question that Friday kind of was a wacky day. We saw... Big moves on the up and down on individual names. We probably should cover some of that. The breadth of the market hasn't really been that good. The market's been carried by five stocks. Roughly 35% of the return from the S&P came from five uh, large cap growth stocks. And the vast majority of stocks have actually struggled. And what you saw on Friday was a lot of those stocks that had struggled actually bounced. And many of the le- former leadership, you saw profit taking or repositioning ahead of this triple witching. And it does create sort of an artificial environment. Essentially what the NASDAQ did is it retested its low from December 3rd on relatively light volume, and we'll see what happens next week as cooler heads prevail. Yeah, and so the S&P 500 was down 1%. In the alternative, the Russell 2000 was up 1%, so there's no question money was moving from side to side, and that is happening, as you said, as this witching hour and these options expire, people were moving from one side to the other. However, as we go into the end of the year and into the beginning of the first quarter, earnings look like they're going to be good again. Right, right now, the fact set estimate is for uh, 22% growth in the fourth quarter. Again, the stock market has gone up less than earnings have gone up this year. And by that, I mean the P.E. multiple on the S&P 500 is actually lower now than it was at the beginning of January. And we still are in a relatively ideal interest rate environment. So when you consider asset classes and look at stocks versus fixed income, for example, stocks look reasonably valued. The dividend yield on the S&P is higher than the dividend yield on the 10-year Treasury. And despite the fact that we all seem to believe that interest rates are going higher, the interest rate on the 10-year actually went down after Fowle's uh, press conference. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see where this goes. But there is this wall of worry that continues to be built. And in front of us right now, obviously, are international issues, geopolitical issues. Of course, Russia's on the doorstep of Ukraine. China, of course, is taking a look at Taiwan. And Iran continues to be a problem. But all of that together, you have to focus on the fundamentals. So it's probably going to be a bumpy ride in 2020. 22, which really means you have to put your thought on fundamentals. And the other thing about it is the United States, broadly speaking, is in a better spot than many of these other countries. We, our economy is stronger. Uh, we're we're addressing the inflationary pressures of uh, concerned people. And essentially, um, our interest rates look appealing to other overseas investors. We're over $15 trillion in sovereign 
debt is yielding less than zero. Yeah, less than zero. Negative yields, no question. And the last piece I want to cover is the Build Back Better bill seems to have been stalled. And so we're going to have to look into 2022 to see if any of that passes. Why is that important? We spent a lot of time this year talking about and seeing, uh, will there be potential changes to tax law? Well, that's now going to be pushed until sometime into next year. And we'll have to see if it passes at all. Of course, Senator Manchin is the swing vote there and he is concerned about inflation like us all but putting another two trillion depends on how you balance it but two trillion to four trillion into the economy right now has certainly got his attention it has he in fact he has basically said that he doesn't want to pass that bill or even consider that bill until they're done tapering on the asset purchases because again they're still adding liquidity to the system even though the atlanta fed is looking for somewhere in the order of five to six percent growth of gdp in the fourth quarter so let me ask you question. Do you think that the Fed overdid it? Punchbowl was out too long. I think so. I think they were surprised by the bottlenecks. I don't think they expected that kind of inflation. They were waiting for demand push inflation, where basically aggregate demand leads to higher prices and higher wages. What they got instead was an artificial inflation caused by supply chain bottlenecks affected by the virus. Derek Felsky is our chief investment officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Last thought? Well, I just want to make sure that people remember that when interest rates are low and the 10-year yield is low and the dividend yield on the S&P 5 500 is near it, that is usually a bullish environment. So make sure you know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it, and there's a way to get that done. It's called Wealth Metric. We want to put it in your hands. And Dave, I'm going to guess that you're a fan of a second opinion. There's, If people are listening right now, they're, they've got a plan already. Bounce yours off our brains. No question about that. And one of the things that you want to do is take this deliverable that we give you. And even if you just say, all right, I know that you're there, it's a good place to start. It's called Wealth Metric. You can get it on a Sunday morning. Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend on the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.